Thank you. Cheers. 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 Wow. Welcome everybody to the meat episode. Hi. Hi. Okay, so my name is Logan from Tacolicious. Ooh, that was a good shot of Jameson, as always. Oh, I'm Burns, right? I'm here with uh, Alicia with an E bagley. Uh, Alicia, you want to talk about yourself a little bit? Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm a cocktail writer based in Shanghai, and I'm here to talk about booze, as always. And we're joined by a very special guest, uh, Mr. Christopher Fosty. How you doing, y'all? So, Fosty's brought us, actually, uh, some mead into the taco booth studio. Hell yeah, dude. So, uh, Fosty actually makes... Fosse makes his own mead, and he's here to talk to us a little bit today about what is mead, and we're going to drink it, and then hopefully have a good podcast and not be too hammered. I'm going to throw some shots of Jameson in there as well, you know, going to be extra spicy. And shots of mead, which I think pair quite nicely. Yeah, you know, we can actually get some spicy Mexican food that you guys got here, you know, if you really want to food pair it up. <laughs> so, tell us about mead. First, well, uh, my... I've only heard about me before knowing you from like uh, Ren fairs and stuff, Renaissance fairs. Yeah. You know, and like all like the medieval books and like uh, old, uh, like George R. Martin, they always drink mead and like Game of Thrones. No, you know, Vikings, ancient Romans, ancient Greeks, uh, medieval times kind of shit. They all did mead. Um, it was one of those, because bees make hives and naturally round, you know, hollow things. One of those things is hollowed out stumps. And so they just have a bunch of honey and a stump and me naturally occurs because we just add water to honey, the microbes and the bacteria in the mead will naturally ferment. So we have just imagine some cave people walking around some 9,000 years ago, they cross by a stump after a rainstorm and they're like, oh, what's this magic water? They take it and they're like, oh man, I can see colors now. This is amazing. So. And it all kind of started from there, you know, fermentation gods, everyone thought, I mean, you know, fermentation came from, was a gift from the gods, uh, magic paddles, which really was just bacteria that baked into the wood of these paddles. Um, but yeah, mead has a rich history. Um, it's kind of lost its flair uh, recently because honey, the price of honey is just really high. Uh, it's become more of a novelty item and what grapes for wine, malt for beer, all that stuff, picked potatoes for vodka, that's a lot cheaper to produce. Yeah. Um, and meat also, you have to age it. So we eat our meat for, we bulk age it for six months. So it takes a little bit of time, but, you know, people like new niche things, things yeah. that are nice. And you know what? As for China, there's not a lot of meat here. So let's go ahead and fill a hole in the market that could be no one here knew existed, right? Exactly. I mean, for what is the Chinese name for meat? Uh, feng mi jiu. Feng mi jiu. Oh, that's very easy. Which is mm-hmm. funny is feng mi. Yeah, and jiu is alcohol. Yeah, but it's a translation. Very, very, very fair up direct translation. Yeah. And then, so, I mean, let's get into this stuff. Let's uh, try some mead. Okay. Yeah. What is the company that you not called? So, this is Kupa de Horn mead. So, Kupa de Horn is based off of uh, a Celtic god of nature that uh, has, you know, giant antlers, like horns. And he had these hoops or rings that give him his power that he deals out to nature. Because that's one thing we want to do is uh, we want to help out the environment. We want to be as green of a company as possible. Uh, leave a very low carbon footprint. So yeah, the bigger we get, the more we want to you know, help the environment. And bees are a thing that help the environment. They have the pollinate flowers out, help grow farms, help grow other plants around the world. 
So if we can help the ecosystem with our product, then that's a win for us, right? I could see the marketing campaign already just says be green and that's a little B, like B-E-E. And well, our motto right now is be sweet. Yeah, be sweet. Aaron, you have a lot of bees out there. Which is very cute. Don't be a bee, Arch. I mean, yeah, if we want to get that attitude in it. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. We just like throw different things. I think it's well, South Central bees. That's why. <laughs> well, so, so on, on, well, when it comes to your motto, actually, this is uh, kind of one of the primary questions I want to ask Fosti, which is how, you know, as you were developing this brand, I want to know how many slogans you went through playing on the word honey and the word bee. And I want to hear some of your choice slogans. And, ha- and how much was it a topic of conversation with your lovely wife at home? Like, honey, I'm blah, blah. <laughs> we went through a few things. Oh, uh, man, I like, be sweet to yourself. Because, you know, the idea of need is, you know, preach yourself. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you see on community, how all those guys get attitude. Because that's what me is, something we celebrate. So, you know, be sweet to yourself, love yourself, uh, you know, be your honey. Uh, we started off with uh, our motto was history rebrewed because we wanted to, you know, we're using recipes from history and tre- tweaking them a little bit. Yeah. But we found this like a little too historical renaissance. That's a good name for a podcast. History rebrewed for. Yeah, that is actually very dope. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we want to get more, you know, colorful, funky. Well, have some more flavor, some more pop to it. Mm-hmm. Rather than be more serious, focus on history, we wanted to focus on, like, you know, the sweet side of life. Oh, yeah, another one. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, because you've always been such a beer guy as well. So this was a natural transition to mead? Um, so actually, the story about how I brewed mead started looking while I was living in South Korea. That, that's had some. Oh, okay. Well, let's, before I tell that story, are you ready for it? Hey, that's a big Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good crack. Okay. Now, what, what's the way you just suggest drinking the mead? Ice? So, there's generally four styles of mead, which is all descriptive by the amount of sugar that it has in it. So, this one would be called a sweet mead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, for a sweet mead, I would recommend throwing some ice on it or keeping it chilled because it will be a little bit, uh, well, sweeter. And some people, uh, huge fat of sweet stuff. Uh, this one doesn't really have any acidity or any sort of bitterness or other flavors to balance it out. It's just honey, water, and simple ingredients. Very easy. Um, the other styles of mead are dry, once you ferment out all the sugar. Mm-hmm. Semi-sweet, which is, you know, like not in between dry and sweet. Sweet, which we have here. And then dessert, which is just, you know, alcoholic candy, basically. Yeah. Okay, and so like let's go first. Obviously, the color—it's a really beautiful golden color. In it, uh, I don't, it does look like a, like a whiskey almost. And color will cut. It's like a light whiskey, right? A very light whiskey. Uh, like if you left a or a Reposado tequila, yeah, depending on what you're looking at. Uh, nose, honey, definitely honey. But you do have you could you could smell there's that there's the fermentation. You definitely get yeah. that like that that. Oh, with the fruit with the honey bit funk. We we use a special um styled honey. Oh, can you, can you uh, is it? I feel like I know the answer because I've talked to you before this, so I don't want to cheat. Is it lychee? What is lychee? Oh, look at the nose on bagels. <laughs> I, honestly, it, it when I taste it, I taste yeah. I taste a bit of the yeah yeah. So we use that's where we don't add any fruit flavors or anything. That's just 
different bees when they make honey, you know, the, the characteristics of the honey come out from whatever they just took the pollen from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one, there's a, a fruit farm. One of the fruit farms they have, they have longum, they have lychee. So it's kind of like a mutually beneficial experience where the farmers keep the bees, the bees pollinate the trees, the trees grow strong, make huge lychee farms, and then the bees just grow a lot of honey. So, you know, they, the plants and the bees, they just coexist and help each other grow to their maximum potential. That's very cool. I, th- yeah. I think it, it's also great because I think that lychee is like such a quintessential Chinese flavor. And, you know, like you are making this mead over here. And I, I, I mean, like it, it's nice to have that little bit of it, it's an extra Chinese touch, you know, like you could have yeah. really chosen any type of honey. Um, and you've and you've used this one that's like it's such a beloved fruit here and, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just a little that that slight taste there that I think that is also very recognizable for a lot of drinkers here in China and honestly you know makes it a bit more appealing probably to some people who don't who aren't quite familiar with mead right yeah no it's a, it's a taste of what we don't want to be comfortable we want to have a flavor that's familiar um, honey is a very popular, you know, addition to tea or, you know, warm water. People drink, you know, the, in the morning or, you know, to help them, you know, regulate their bodies. Cause and there is some probiotic benefits to this. I mean, I can't market it. Is that, oh, it is a probiotic. Oh, that's great. I need it. I forgot to take my probiotics today. So, you know, there's a lot of probiotics you need. Yeah. It's based on alcohol, of course. Definitely. <laughs> How many different, uh, types of honey did you find? and work on before you settled on a lychee honey loads loads that so I've, I've gone through all kinds of like a wildflower plum long gun uh lychee honey orange blossom um a bunch of different flowers that i can't remember how to say the name of that like they're especially flowers like i got some flowers from yundan some flowers from you know Dongbe. <clears throat> i just look out i the the name is in English. I'm like, I have no doubt that is. But then, of course, I translated it back to Chinese. I'm like, oh, yeah, what was that flower? Obviously. Okay, I, don't, I didn't know that that was a flower, but mm-hmm. I guess it is. So, well, so then um, after after trying all of these different types, I mean, how long did it really take you to settle and, like, settle on a product? Do you like a honey that you like, a farm that you liked? Well... That was all a long, drawn-out process. Um, so, my wife is from Taiwan, and that's where we found our meadery. Well, we started off where... Meadery, I like that word. Well, yeah, meadery. So, there's a winery, a brewery, and a meadery. So, we basically just cold-called. Uh, we got a government list of all, you know, the breweries, the wineries, and kind of just sent out emails, giving calls, and we're talking to people. Uh, some people didn't have space, and some, some people just wouldn't would do, want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we found one guy who was in the uh, south of Taiwan and Gaoshou. Oh, excuse me. Whiskey's coming back up now. Oh, oh I feel it. That's a little party there. Oh, honey, there's whiskey. I need whiskey burps. Party in my pants. I can dig it. Let's not get that for a time. I really don't want to. For, for those at home, uh, as you know, we never do this podcast with pants on, but now I'm regretting it. <laughs> That we found this guy who, um, he's independently wealthy. He has his own pineapple farm and does everything himself. And he just started a brewery all by himself because he was interested in it. Yeah. So we went to a space and nothing is, you know, factory bought. Nothing is 
what you'd find, you know, in a catalog. He basically just bought giant metal cylinders and then just welded all the pieces together. He did everything himself. He even built his own distiller. Wow. So he has a winery and distillery and he just brews for fun. He has a little shop. Um, and now we just sell cigarettes and wine. Oh, that's cool. That's your life. Yep. And so he just like hangs up and the guy is one of the biggest nerds I've ever met. But that's kind of who you want to your brewer, right? Yeah. yeah. You want someone who's uh will get every detail and overanalyze it and then be worried about it because he's overanalyzed the details. And I come and they'd be like, hey, don't worry about it. We got this. I love where your head's at, but this is where we need to go a bit. Okay, cool. So I met up with him. We had a few meetings going back and forth there. And then eventually he also gave us just a really good quotation. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Right? So OEM brewing is real popular in China. It's how most people get their the product off the ground. Sorry, what does that mean? Uh, Brett, that means yeah, what does OEM stand for? Yeah. OEM is for uh Was it only fans for brewers or no 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 it's uh like third party brewer. Okay. I know I should know that. It's like uh outside equipment management. I think that's what it means. It's usually for, you know, like factory equipment or whatever. But it basically means third party. Yeah. So you're you're making something and it's your brand, mm-hmm. but someone else is making it for you. Okay. So in China, you need to have that kind of, to make beer or wine or something. You have to have a factory to be, to, in order to get the government regulations, the government confirmation, that, uh, you have to have a factory that can brew you know, like 700 hectoliters every day, every month, something. I, I forget the exact numbers, but this is a stupid amount of beer. Uh, so people rent out these spaces in these massive brewing campuses yeah. to make a beer. So they do, you know, third-party brewing, OEM brewing, whatever you want to call it. And through that way, you know, you have a low startup cost because they're not actually buying the equipment. But, you know, you're never going to break even on that equipment because you're always paying rent for it. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword. The last thing you see all these, you know, breweries popping up that you, uh, we had some English teachers out here that started their own brewery just because, you know, like, oh, hey, we got money. We can, and, you know, go grow this facility, and now we have our own beer brand. Okay. So, very little cost of entry for the market, but now then you have to sell it afterwards. Yeah, you're going to sell it afterwards, exactly. <laughs> so, for, for yourself, are you seeing a lot of other meat companies start up, or, I mean, obviously you're the first, but is there, has there been anybody else, or is it just you? Uh, so, there's a brand from the USA called Superstition. I've seen them here before. Uh, they're super expensive. So my bottle uh, retailed for 288 RMB. Superstition bottles uh, usually retail for a minimum 700 RMB. Wow. And what's the APV on yours? Uh, 4%. 4%? Okay. So it's a good... It's a good... Uh, it's like a wine. Yeah. Now, uh, the, the bottle is only 500 ml and the Superstition ones are 750. Okay. So you're getting a little bit more mead there. But as a new product that's entering the market and with the, you know, the high cost of honey and whatnot, I'm on something that's more approachable, something that's easier. You know, if I look at it, like, I don't know what this is. I'm not going to spend $500 RMB on it. So yes. I plan on making bigger bottles in the future, but just for this entry cloud. So 288 RMB, that's about 45 US dollars, something like that. Yeah, around yeah. 43. 43? Okay. I've been the map. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so actually I did a bunch of research on meads here in China. Mm-hmm. And the only other good one that I found was from like really small place in Yundan. 
I was like, oh, this isn't bad. It's okay. But then there's a bunch of other beads on top of that I found and whatnot. And they're mean by definition only. They use like baijiu yeast. So imagine drinking something that kind of has a little hint of honey taste, but then it has that, you know, uh, evidence. I opened it up and it had that, you know, that chemical kind of, you know, rainbow effect in the mead. And that was kind of, so I ordered one of these bottles of Taba. And when I opened it, it had that rainbow coloring jewelry, you know, like a oil slick. Oh, wow. Like yeah. Chemically. And I tried it and it was just, you know, I tasted like medicine would it be like a good description for this kind of stuff. Well, so I went through a few different flavors and I realized while there was meat in the market, like people didn't know what it was. Like yeah. they didn't know how to brew it, the proper ways to take care of it. It looked like they just brewed it and put it in a bottle and sold it when you really need to age meat out because it will have that chemical flavor for a little bit afterwards. But the nice thing about mead is that it has the microbes in it, the little organisms that you can kill off the yeast, but there's a little bits in it that help the mead or the honey, I guess, uh, preservatives in there, kind of the natural yeah, preservatives. Yeah. They're constantly aging, constantly changing the molecular structure of the mead. So it's, even in the bottle right now, it's aging. It's aging. So so could you, like wine, like leave one of these bottles for a few years and would it get better with time or what do you think? Yep. So they found, so well, Poland was a really good place for honey. Uh, they had a lot of, uh, so in Poland, Poland's really famous for its honey piece. So they had a lot of mead making, honey going on there. Then World War II hit. And a lot of these places that, you know, had cellars or whatnot, they, uh, the building got destroyed and the cellars were lost over time. Eventually they dug up these cellars, went in there and found bottles of mead from World War II. Wow, damn. 10 years ago. They basically... Took one, cracked it open, drank it, and you're like, holy shit. This is the best thing we're put in my mouth. So it it tastes better over time. So that's okay. the nice thing about me is like even if you have one that kind of tastes like, you know, musty shoe or grandma's armpit or whatever you want. Two flavors that we relate to really well, you know. It has that nice acidic sting to it, the chemical imbalance flavor. That's like, what you're really going for. Like I would imagine George Clinton would would, would taste. Of uh, Funk of Dallas, the, the Congress of Funk. You guys don't know who George Clinton is? Very funk, famous funk. Funk uh, figure. But anyways, so if you Parliament. so if what about once it's what about once it's open? Like, what's the what's the kind of shelf life? Because one thing that um I've always heard about honey in particular is that it's one of the few foods in the world that actually never expires. Like, right. Like honey yeah. will grow mold. Like even if it crystallizes, you can just like add a little bit of heat to it and it will liquefy again. Like it, it's actually a food that essentially yeah. doesn't have a shelf. Power food. Yeah. Well, they found it like honey in Egyptian tombs, like buried with mummies and it was still bad. That's so badass. So that's uh, a twofold thing and honey. So it has like, you know, the microbes in it that I told you before, right? That are constantly, you know, cleaning the honey and whatnot. And they would naturally ferment the honey, but it lacks the moisture. You know, honey is so viscous. Mm -hmm. So the lack of moisture in the honey is actually what keeps it preserved. Um, Mead is, you know, you're adding water to the honey. Right. So it will eventually, you know, kind of get a funky flavor to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you keep it in a refrigerator, you keep it, you know, airtight. 
Uh, oxidation will happen to anything once you open it enough, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anything like you know, beer, wine, milk. As soon as you open it up, then you know you're you're already exposing to the air, exposing it to nature. Right. This one here lasts for about if you keep it in a refrigerator, uh, an open bottle will last for about four weeks, almost oh, a month. Nice. Well, that's a good amount. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you recommend yeah. keeping it refrigerated once you open it? Then. Yeah, yeah. Keep it refrigerated. Um, maybe if you let it last for longer than that, it kind of gets a little bit of a uh, sour acidic tinge to it yeah which i mean for me i think it just adds an extra complexity level of flavor now it's not like it's bad it's just uh like a barrel aged belgian wine or something like that but a belgian beer so oh, I'll- no one's letting it last that long anyway it's just too tasty yeah it is really tasty guys it hold almost polished off a bottle here yeah it goes down smooth and easy it's it's a uh, pretty exciting oh, no. uh well so that i mean your meat is doing Pretty fabled great here. I see it all over the place, all kinds of cocktail bars and stuff. Um, we almost had an episode without swearing. Yeah, well, you know, you can't invite me. Hegel drops bombs. <laughs> but then, um, like, what are, tell me some signature serves. How do you like to drink this besides, I mean, it's great on its own, but um, I've also had a few cocktails, which I really loved with it. So how, what are some things you like to make with it? Oh, man. Uh, so... The mead kind of works as a sweet vermouth replacement to the mm-hmm. honey flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, funny story about this. Uh, my friend Anna Sousley, you guys know Anna, right? Mm-hmm. She came over to my house one day and then just sat down with me and we we're just making random cocktails with it. Because she was like, I want to say, you know, make cocktails, see what we can do, make a list. And we got like a little bucket because we sold ourselves. We're not going to drink the cocktails. We're going to dump them out into the bucket. Mm-hmm. Well, that's still fun. We drink, <laughs> we drink cocktails anyways. Yeah. So after that, we were pretty hammered on me. I think Anna left, but it was a pretty good And then things kind of got blurry at the end, and there was a bunch of just, you know, orange rinds, peels, and everything everywhere. Yeah. Popping here. Yeah. You and Anna got drunk. You had a bunch of orange peels left over. And yeah, no, we just made a huge mess. And uh, we told ourselves we wouldn't drink the cocktails, but we did. And things just got messy from there. But we made some really cool things. Uh, the best one that we have is the Gold Spritz. Yep. It's Prosecco, uh, French liqueur called Suze. Ooh, like yeah. 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 It's like a bitter, sweet bitter kind mm-hmm. of thing. But then meat. You just mix all those together. It's delicious. Um, if you make a sour drink, you have like a whiskey sour or some sort of like gin sour. And then you just sour it here. A little bit less of the simple syrup. And replace it with the sweet honey mm-hmm. meat. That adds like a little extra complex flavor for a bottle. Gotcha. And then the last thing I'm going to say is it works really well with rye whiskey. Rye whiskey, wow. Yeah, yeah. So we do a highball where it says mead, rye whiskey, soda water, you know, dash of bitters. That sounds cool. neat. What do you call it? Golden showers? See, you know, I completely missed that one. I called the mead ad and highball. That's dumb. That's just a children's drink. Golden showers is for adults. I've seen the websites. <laughs> That's what I get for trying to be a little bit classy. Don't be highbrow here. So I recently actually uh, had a cocktail that I really, really liked with Hoop and Horn. Um, it was, uh, so this uh, cocktail bar near Jay Barofsky did, um, they made a white rabbit infused gin. You know, using mm-hmm. a white okay. rabbit with bright rabbit candy. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Mickey, the bartender, she used a bit of hoop and horn, some lemongrass syrup and lime juice and to make like this really nice sour. And it was like 
fucking delicious. Like it was like creamy and that honey flavor and that little like tang of the lemongrass. Like it it was such a nice combination. It was really delicious. Yeah, yeah. All right. No, honey and lemon. They just they go well together. They're yeah. classics. Yeah, it's an easy combination. So anything with honey and lemon. Uh, people using... Bees knees? Yeah, bees knees. Uh, a little bit smoky. There's a bar, Miss Galleria. Uh, our friend, uh, a little bit Chris. Big, tall Australian. Yeah, Chris Burt. Yeah, Chris Burt. He makes uh, like a mezcal, so like a smoky, sour drink with it. And it works fantastically. Yeah. No, that, I mean, I think you have a lot of versatility with the product, yeah. which is very nice. You know what I mean? Uh, so- well, I also really, lo- sorry, just just cut you off here, Logan. Uh, I don't think you came to the guest shift that Fossey did with, he did like kind of different takes on bubble tea and oh, stuff yeah, like that. I did that. that was super cool. That was banging. It was like a mead bubble tea. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And like one with like the, you know, the very popular like cheese song. That goes on a milk. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Different things like that. Oh, it was really good. I, yeah. mean, I learned how to make my own cheese foam. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I learned how many calories are in cheese foam. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it's like I just ate an entire cheeseburger, but it's on top of a bubble tea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is actually in the cheese foam? So I've never had one. Cream cheese, cream and salt, and, and uh, cream cheese, salt, milk, and then like another kind of cheese or something. It, they just blend it all together, really, and do whatever you want. Both of Yeah, you air, air it. Can you get it on the ISI gun, or? That's what we did. Yeah, then you carbonated it up, so it's kind of like a liquidy, and then we just jammed yeah. it all on top. We made our own little uh, digestive biscuits and put on top. Yeah. Mix the mead with, I forget what was the base. I think it was gin or something. It was gin, mead, and then we had a black tea. And then, you, yeah, I dipped the cookie in the office. Oh, that's fun. That was really cool. That's a great idea. So let me get this milk yes. punch with it. Like, and actually, the meat made a really good milk punch. And I tried to make my own boba. And let me tell you, making boba is fucking hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to, like, boil it. They get all black. And, like, oh, that's how you do it. But that, I guess there's, there's some sort of secret thing you need to do to make them extra chewy. <laughs> Otherwise, like, the outside is chewy, but then the inside is kind of, like, hard. hard. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, I can't. It, did not do that right but the first time they could boba yeah it worked is it like making like when you do the uh mixology caviar is that kind of style or no it's more so it's it's tap it's a tapioca base yeah. so you kind yeah. of like it's more like making a dessert kind of right which it threw me off because i was making it like I, the boba bowls that you see the bubble tea are all black yeah 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 then i got it then they're white and like get the right shit is incident like dog? You're supposed to like boil them for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they turn black during the process. Yeah, yeah. well, that's interesting. Wow. Right, very cool. That we, we start talking about mead, we got some bubble tea bubbles. Yeah, right. That's I mean, that's a that's a cheerful. What's it? What's like a so? What's like an anecdote? A good anecdote about anyone who's looking to get into, you know, mead making. What happened to you when you first started making mead? Oh man, it's so back in I was living in South Korea. And I had this uh, Korean friend, you know, super cute, super cool. We just like hang out. And for my birthday one year, she got me this massive jar of honey. She's like, happy birthday. You're my favorite. Here's some honey. I was like, oh, <laughs> can I get some of your honey? She's like, no, we're just friends. Like, oh, okay. I guess I'll just take this. I read this wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I just, okay. Um, thank you for your honey. Um, so I had this giant jar of honey. Like, it, it was huge, like two or three kilos. I, 
I don't know what to do with that much honey. But uh, I had a friend. So we're friends with a local brewery there. And we're doing like work with a homebrew group and whatnot. And so one of my friends was like, oh, dude, you guys make some meat. What the fuck is meat, man? Oh, man, no, it's just something that you got in the honey. Just, you know, throw some water in, get some yeast, you're fine. So I actually did a natural fermentation where I just uh, cleaned and froze some blueberries. Because if you're going to use fruit for fermenting with mead, you got to freeze it first because it breaks down the cell structure, like the cell walls. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So freeze it, then make sure it's clean too. Uh, so I just threw that in there. So now skanky blueberries. Yeah, skanky blueberries, but then you might get skanky mead. Mmm, some man smells delicious. It depends on who you are. <laughs> um, yeah, so I made a blueberry mead, which I instantly, like, it fermented it, I tried it, and I was like, oh man, this tastes like chemicals, this is really weird. I don't know about it. And it's funny, because in Korea, they, you know, they have, like, these two liters of beer. Like, you know, cast beer and whatnot. Like, these plastic two liters. Like, I have two liter of cola. Like, it's a two liter of beer. Wow. So I just bought a boatload of those and filled them all up with this mead. And I was like, okay, well, I guess if you age it, it'll get better, because I don't like it now. Let it age for, a, like, a month. <laughs> and afterwards, I opened it up and drank it. And it just hit me. It was cold as shit. It's delicious. It's sweet. It's blueberries. It's alcoholic. Ooh. So I had a huge house party because I had, I think, 20 liters of this. Wow. Bean. <laughs> wow. How's it? Let's just like order a bunch of Korean fried chicken. How much honey did she give you? That's a lot of honey. That's a, two or three kilos. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of honey, though. I, I don't remember. That's a mixed message she sent you, I think, Fossey. I didn't get it. I don't know. Because you're sweet? I'm, I'm, maybe I'm sweet. Maybe she thought I was sweet. But it was actually, it turns out to be a really fucking class A gift because it led to the development of your new company and yeah. new passion it was something that I was wanting to do because I was never saw meat here and then you know um, I left Korea I was traveling around stuck in Hong Kong came to Shanghai to actually visit the Frederick University and I just randomly got offered a job to work on Yongkong Lu yeah praise up Nacho and that's where that's where I, that's where I met you yep Yongkong Lu in Shanghai for all of our listeners was like a pretty popular bar street um which Street of debauchery. Resident Evil is not quite the same anymore, but we look back on it wistfully now. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good five or six years ago. I worked in Yonkalu for two years, and the best way to describe that street is it's the most fun I never want to have again. <laughs> yeah. I got away with so much shit, but yet it was also just a huge pain because on Yonkalu, you had the people, the foreigners who are going to the party and drink. And that was the first floor. But the second and third floor of all these buildings on this like tiny wet market street. The poor neighbors. We're all actual locals who were living there. Yeah. So there's a huge battle. After 10 p.m., everyone has to go inside and can't be loud. And then you as the bar manager, you the liaison between the drunk foreigners, like, hey, shut the fuck up. People didn't sleep. But also, please buy my fucking drink. Yeah. <laughs> Keep drinking. Down. Yeah. And then so it was just, you know. I think I used to buy a bottle of 200 RB. Some kind of whiskey I sat at at uh, the bottle shop. Uh, Fireball? Not fire. I don't like Fireball. So I don't like Fireball anymore. Uh, no, uh, the whiskey was like Old Cock or something. It was something like, it was such a dumb, cheap whiskey. And it was 200 bucks, 200 yeah. out of me. But then I, I started your place, which is at the beginning of Yonkong. But by the time we got to the end of the street, it was already like six hours had passed. The bottle was empty and it was time to leave. Yeah, right. Like you said hi to everybody in Shanghai. That was in like meeting. 300 meters down the street. That's all how long the street was. It took me six hours to get down there. Oh, it was a party though. You literally, it was anybody, it was anybody. It was a great, great time in our, in our collective history. Yes. 
So that's where I kind of came here and I saw this, you know, action. I was, I always thought, man, this would be a great place to do mead. There's no mead here. And so for years, I kept on working in the beer industry, working in bars. Um, you know, I worked with uh, the rooster, started on my own German brewery. Uh, I did stuff with stone, stuff with brew dog. And eventually I was like, okay, shit, I got enough money. I'm just going to start my own meadery. You know, and that's where, you know, I started off in Taiwan making that stuff. I really enjoyed it. No, well, now- this is a much longer love affair than I actually knew that you had with meat. You know, I didn't realize it was, it was like this long in the, in the making. Yeah. You- no, it's something I always had in the back of my mind. You yeah. know? It's like, you always have that business idea, that dream that you want to do. Yeah. And finally I said, fuck it. Um, I'm, I could just I'm go in there. Yeah. I can just let my money sit in their bank account or I go yeah. be like, fuck it. I'm just going to invest in myself. Right. That's the best investment that I can make. Yeah. Saving money is the, no fun at all. All right, spend it and then see what happens with it after. <laughs> well, I mean, guys, in closing, I think we've learned a lot about mead. Uh, do we have anything we want to talk about today? Anything else? I don't know. I feel like we should probably close out the episode by taking everyone taking a collective sip out of the tiny hoop and horn horn. Yeah, we have a little right? tiny uh, horn shots, glass shot glasses that are in the shape of a horn. It's very medieval yeah. and looks very good in Fosty's Viking like and go ahead, fill it up. Yeah, you got it. Let's fill this. Let's fill this tiny glass horn. And then if you're in Shanghai, you can get the mead on Bottles XO. You can get it at Elementary. Um, cocktail bars with that are Mescaleria, Perch, Jabodowski, and Regurgalicious. Regurgalicious. Regurgalicious has some good cocktails with it. Want me to pour more? Yeah, keep pouring. Yeah, me. Pour, pour it out. It's almost great. It's. So you you've already been uh, tested clear for COVID, right? Uh huh. Yeah. I need to see the vaccination record first. I can show you my vaccine. Yeah, it's on my late payment. Yeah, you get your vaccine here, and then all of a sudden, all your vaccine information is on your phone. Got a little bit. Then it's like they track you wherever you are with your phone, <laughs> like every country. I, I, Drink it from the horn. I hope it's still recording because I pressed something. One job. <laughs> the whole thing turned off. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Bagels just turned the whole thing off. Here you go. Mm. On a phone with only two buttons, you happen to have the only button. <laughs> you hate the stomp button. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on with Thanks us. Thanks for being here. Excellent. Ralph? Ralph's is chilling on the ground. Hey, booty. There's a poop machine. Are you? Yeah, you can. Okay, here's a little behind the scenes of how our studio looks. This will be another episode of Trying uh, on the Rocks. Thank you, everybody. And cheers. See you next cheers. time. Kevin, play us out. Thanks for having me. It is built for things done for